Welcome back for part two of the Better Decisions podcast with Craig Studnicki. Hello, David. <laughs> Thank you again <laughs> once one more time. Um, Craig, as you know, or if you don't know, is president of ISG Related. He is yes. also a serious analyst of the South Florida real estate market, very well voiced, and came on uh, to discuss a little more than a month ago. It was the Q2, a report that we went through, but... Uh, just a few days ago, you I released. Snuck in Q3. You snuck in Q3, yes. which is beautiful because it gives us something to talk about. Sure. As we move on, if you haven't seen the first uh, report, uh, the first podcast, should I say, that we did, please go and watch it after this. Yes, it was um, quite entertaining and informative. I think so. And it's it's been well, very well received out there in the market. A lot of people have listened to it, watched it. And what we what I want to do this time is this has been really well received. I want to make sure that we cover, you know, in detail what you've covered in your Q3 sure. um, report and uh, and kind of go into it at a, a Miami granular level because there's a lot of good information and you give some great optics on, the, you know, the wide part of the market. I'm kind of on the ground as a, you know, say, a hyper granular luxury real estate broker in South Florida. Yes, I'm dealing with homes. Yes, I'm dealing with condos. If you get a chance, please read the attached blog to this video on our website because we reference and cite a lot of good article information. As we always say, news out there is not always accurate. We don't have a dog in the fight. We try to keep this unbiased. I know that news can sometimes be a bit salacious and naturally it's designed to elicit a reaction. Yes. Um, so you have to take it with a pinch of salt. As mm. I said to a client yesterday, please do your research. Please look at this independently through your own eyes and take what you need from it. And without th further ado, let's crack on and look at let's Q3. Let's All right. Yeah. So you, we start off with, let's discuss the interest rates because that's sure. the first thing on everyone's mind, which is the market being affected by the interest rates. Well, how about Chairman Powell yesterday? Didn't you think he was going to raise rates? Because I did. I was told for sure you're going to have another 25 basis points adjustment upward by October 31st. Well, today's November 2nd, actually. And so we went... We went past that without with leaving it unchanged. Yep. And he telegraphed that he's kind of happy, kind yes. of happy, I'm so paraphrasing, with where inflation is because it's just under 4%. A year ago, it was 8 yep. His target is to get it back to 2 and 3 yep. Although I suspect that when it gets closer to 3 forget 2 and 3 that's when you're going to see rates drop. Well, it's interesting because as he says, look, I'm neither here nor there. I'm not, you know, I'm not going to, he didn't say he was going to raise them. True. And the fact that he said he's not going to do anything right now suggests that it's actually been on the downward trajectory, which means that if you just extrapolate the line and don't mess with the dials, we're heading the right direction. 100%. Really, everybody's watching this podcast. Take that to the bank. It's going to happen sometime next year because inflation is edging much closer to 3% than it is at 4 You're right on. Yeah. Right. And that I learned from my, my son who works for UBS Bank. They, they check this stuff only all the time. And and rates need to come down for a whole bunch of reasons that we sort of touched on earlier. Maybe yeah. we get into it in today's podcast. Uh, absolutely. And as, you know, as we look at that and we then look and reflect on the local market, uh, we were looking at seeing what how the general economy is being affected because one of the things that we as we sit here in Miami, we do appreciate that New York and California where you sit there and things aren't as say buoyant and as strong as they are in the the Miami market that it's hard to say how can 
how can you be so bullish about the Miami real estate market? Because if you're sitting out there, you don't see what we see. Correct. Most importantly, you don't feel it because we do work off our feelings. We're human beings. We're naturally driven off our emotions and, and what we've observed out there. Um, but if you look at like the general, let's say the dislocation of economy, the middle market, which we started to touch on before rolling, was middle you know, middle level banks and middle middle market, um, I say bankruptcy, middle markets are getting hammered. Mm -hmm. Yes. Expand on, uh, you obviously mentioned those those middle banks obviously suffering a little bit. Well, yeah, there's a lot. This year we had Sovereign Bank, um, you had uh, Silicon Valley Bank and Credit Suisse, they went under and they, Credit Suisse was acquired by UBS. I don't know what happened with the other two banks, but there's a collective worry in the banking industry that there's some couple hundred other mid-sized banks around the country they're in trouble. They're upside down. Interest rates are killing them. So Jerome Powell, he, you and I don't want his job. He's got tackling inflation. Is, yeah. makes nothing but sense for our, our, the, the future of our economy. But you can't afford for these mid-sized banks to go down because it's going to not only affect the banking industry, it's going to affect the credit rating of the U.S. dollar. And the and, and U.S. dollar is banked by the full, full credit worthiness of the United States. These banks go down. You could go from triple a rating by standard and pours down the double a overnight yeah. that's very bad for our economy yeah so what, what do you do first the collective un wisdom inside wall street now is that we probably peaked on interest rates for that reason alone yeah. so he's gonna when we start to see rates go down sometime next year and by the way they're talking about late spring early summer so we've got a long winter ahead of us in terms of high rates particularly you know especially when we think about national real yeah. estate we are the outliers, which we'll get into in a second. Yeah. But I think it's going to take Jerome Powell, with given his conservative nature, that much time to feel comfortable about start ratcheting them down. And then who knows what happens after that. Well, spring, summer, from a real estate purchase perspective, is really just around the corner. If you kind think like you're carrying your mortgage for six, nine months, and then rates are going to drop, that's not... That's not terrible. That's not too hard to do when you're thinking about your 30-year mortgage. Mm -hmm. um, what's interesting, what I noticed was we started to talk a bit, little bit about the commercial markets. And, and we're going to get into the engine of the economy and how business is running. Because when we get into the residential, they can and will spend, whether they're going to buy a primary home or a secondary home. But within New York, and we were touching on this and as we look into the commercial markets, the class, the office, mm -hmm. you know, we get into that fact that, you know, you were saying, and I'd love you to say directly out there sure. so everyone hears it, what was being seen in the commercial markets, the office space in New York, and, and particularly in New York, because that's obviously the, the biggest hub. Well, if you can picture the Empire State Building in your mind, yep. now picture 30 of them, which is, that's a lot of Empire okay. State Buildings. That's yep. how much empty office space there currently is in Manhattan. And when you and I met, to discuss Q2 like a month or so ago, yeah. it was 26. Now you're up to 30 buildings of empty offices. So they got four more Empire State buildings are empty. now empty. Empty. In from from the time that we spoke like a month ago mm -hmm. to now. To now. That's a scary. It's curve. A, and it's a scary trend line, and the banks are, are are all over it, and they're very nervous because the landlords are kind of giving up. The landlords are giving up because all the business owners are giving up. They're giving up in this sense. Remote working became super popular because of COVID. Well, now the employers who bitched about it are now accepting it and realizing that if if the efficiency level of my of my employees is just as good 
What do I need all this office space for? What do I need to pay for their transportation in and out of this city for? What do I have to worry about them, their safety? Because sometimes in, you've all heard of accidents on, on the New York City subway. Not accidents. Sometimes they're just robberies with weapons. Yeah. I don't have to worry about any of that stuff as the employer. I can save a boatload of overhead if I don't have to pay all these office rents. And my office space is empty anyway. I'm sharing this with you, David, because that's the new collective conversation that's going on in a city like New York. Yeah. And I'm sure it's happening in Los Angeles, Chicago, and San Francisco. Chica well. Chicago, for sure. I mean, we have the same stats coming out of Chicago. But if you imagine that, so on one side, this is a statistical fact. This isn't like an opinion. This oh, no. is actually mathematical is fact of what's available in you know commercial class A office space in New York. At the same time, yes. we move to Miami oh, yes. for a moment. Yeah. And we're there... How much occupancy do we have for Class A office space? Well, one or two percent. It's just the opposite. It's yeah. Like I'm saying one or two because somebody's moving out. Somebody's moving but in. But here's right? the crazy thing, and I'm <coughs> kind of jumping all around here, but mm -hmm. you know, we, we've got to cover this. The new offices that are coming into Miami and are already here, and again, we look at the list of companies, Blackstone, AER, Starwood, um, Oracle, Hewlett-Packard, Goldman Sachs, Citadel, of course. I mean, the Rothschild... CI Financial, Winston & Straw, Baker McKenzie. I mean, the list just goes on and on and on mm -hmm. of companies moving their head offices here and not just coming here, but they're building offices. There are four major new Class A office buildings announced in the last 30 days mm -hmm. in Miami. There's very little um, you know, available right now, but they've got, they've announced one and a half million square feet of new office space on 68 floors just for one Brickell city center. Now, I know people are watching this, they're, they're in the residential market, they're thinking about buying a house or buying a condo, but it's kind of like, if you build it, they will come. Understand the engine. They're building it because they have come. Mm -hmm. They need somewhere to work out yes, of. And exactly. those people are high earners. I mean, you talked about, I mean, I, when you get to the very high end of the market, the people who are making this kind of money to live here, to be in these offices, these aren't entry-level workers. No, these no, are no. top-level employees. I think I may have mentioned the Citadel folks. The top 50 executives of Citadel last year um, each earned in excess of $30 million. We're talking each. We're talking about some serious money with some serious um, um, investors, buy owners of real estate that are coming here. But you said something that was absolutely true, and nobody... A lot of people don't haven't figured out what you just said. They came here um, in part because of Mayor Francis Suarez. He did a hell of a job selling Miami during yeah. COVID. They came here because of tax reform 17, because Florida was a big winner from President Trump's tax reform in, in 2017. And they came here and they found residential real estate and they found the climate extraordinary. Then they said to each other, hey, we need some office space. And now that, that's, that's where the gold rush it started with the office towers. One of the problems that I'm, we have, I, have, I have a commercial division in related ISG. The president is an extraordinary young man named Thomas Ulichin. And one of his constraints is when he's pitching these companies that are coming here, they're not so crazy about the pre-construction office towers because they need stuff now. Interesting stat I heard. I wish I knew the number from Manhattan, but I know it for Chicago. There are 34 office towers in Chicago that have a million square feet plus each. Miami has one. Wow. Yeah. That's a wow, isn't it? Because yeah. when you consider all the people that are coming here, the transfer of wealth that's coming here, the businesses that are coming here, I'm guessing Miami is on its way to building 34 office towers, or we're certainly going to need them. Again, the outlier. We're the complete exception to everything well, else Well, this on. is the thing. Look, if you've got <laughs> 30 Empire State buildings that are empty. Empty. 
and those companies are moved out. Where are all the people? Where are they going? Yes. Where well, are they? Yeah. Well, that was the first problem is finding them housing. And, you know, the good news is there are a lot of multifamily um, in rental buildings that are coming online. So for the middle level employee, they, they do find housing. It's the upper end that we're having some problems satisfying yeah. because we're running out of inventory. And those folks, as we discussed before, the upper end employee, they want a house on the water. They can't find the house. On the water seems to still be ruling the day. I want to be on the water. I want to be on the water. I want to yeah. be on the water. Yeah, limited the inventory. The the bay or certainly the ocean. And when they can't find that, then they're asking us to take them to. When they can't find the house, they're asking us to take us to the water. And now you and I, as we discussed earlier, we're having a hard time finding inventory on the ocean, on the absolutely on the bay. Absolutely. <laughs> we, we actually have. So off the bat, given this is Q3, I dug into the numbers and I said, okay, let's yeah. do some research into this and look. And given the fact that like we're sitting here in our office in South Miami, surrounded by Ponce Davis, Pinecrest, Coconut Grove, Coral Gables, like all the markets that the primary buyers who often will move to Miami move and focus heavily on here. They also buy on the beach, don't get me wrong, and sure. other areas, but you know, the highest concentration is here because it's very commutable to Brickell and actually to offices in Coral Gables, which is also undergoing a big boom as well. Mm -hmm. But we looked at the family market and, and you know, that mid-range, the ones who are affected by the interest rates coming kind of back to that comment where people are saying, okay, so, you know, markets are slowing all across the US. I've interviewed the top agents um, since our last podcast I've interviewed, and that's coming out soon. I interviewed the top agents, the top number one agent in each city in America. They're at Douglas Salomon. I asked them the very question, how are you finding sales? How are things going? And all of them said the same thing, which is sales have slowed. Mm -hmm. Dollar per square foot hasn't dropped. Why? Because there's a lack of inventory. All over the country. And there's yeah. a lack of inventory because a lot of the people who live in homes have baked in low interest rates and yes. they don't really want to jump up to 8% because it means a much higher cost of, oh, of living. Yeah. It's, oh, it's, yeah. it's, it's a big, big jump. Mm -hmm. So when I looked at, for example, statistically, I looked at the two to eight million range. And, and just in Coral Gables, last year sales uh, for, for the period um, was 376. And it dropped to 301, which is 25% down from last year. That's my numbers, yeah. Which is a lot. And then yeah. if we marginalize the most affected working wealthy group, the, the two to eight, because in Miami, we always talk about, oh, the middle range. And, and middle range is not what middle range used to be. I always mm. say that you know, a couple of years ago, I'd say middle range two to three million dollars. It's not. It's now five. It, mm -hmm. It's jumped by it feels like a good fifty percent or more, which is in line with how much the values have gone up. But there, it dropped from one hundred and forty-four sales to one hundred and four sales, which is statistically thirty-eight percent drop. And then in the whole of Miami, again, it dropped by twenty-seven percent. So that kind of drop is just a reflection of the lack of inventory. But of course, you know that then obviously bleeds into the condo market as well. Sure it does. Um, yeah. And so obviously now, now we understand, you know, why this is happening. People are still coming in. But the market, the dollar per square foot, have not dropped. Correct. And if anything, our comment about all these very, very wealthy individuals, these high-level professionals living in these incredible Class A buildings and want to be in these buildings, that when we look at the top-level sales, and we'll get into that, those are still as strong as ever. So I'm seeing some of the homes in the Grove, for example. We're seeing sales, new homes are between $1,300 a square foot. And we have some staggeringly high numbers. So part of the sales, and I'm noticing in Q3, was products sticking, sitting on the market because there are some sellers who say, 
there's no inventory, so let's, I'm not really a seller, so let's just ask a really crazy number and hope I get it. Mm -hmm. So like in the Grove, you know, there are, there are 10 active listings between $1,300 a square foot and $2,000 a square foot. And only one sold over $1,300 a square foot in the last six months. Okay. So we've got a good amount of inventory that's really asking some high numbers. And, and again, in Ponce Davis, Coral Gables, there are 15 homes listed over $1,300 a square foot. Only one sold and two pending in the last six months that actually got over $1,300 a square foot. So that is, again, you know, it's just a sign of the times. I think it's, that's all, in my opinion, that's just interest rate sensitivity stuff because people with money have money for a reason. They're very good with it. Yeah. And when they see interest rates this high and they're reading headlines around the country, maybe like the doctor you, you were talking to me yes. about. Yes, yeah, yeah. phoned you from Manhattan. She's reading headlines. And she, yeah. and by the way, the headlines that she's reading, most of the media uh, reporters, I'm sure you speak to the media a lot. God knows I do. They're always dealing with lagging indicators. They don't know what happened today or what's yeah. going to happen tomorrow. Yeah. It's always stuff like That's 30, 60 days ago. That's a fantastic point because you're right. When they are reporting, they didn't write that article yesterday. No. They yeah. read it months ago. Exactly. And the world, our world, particularly in South Florida, changes all the time because of the population just continues to mushroom and mushroom yeah. and mushroom. We're getting bigger. We're getting wealthier all the time. The condos that uh, I know I reported on the in Q3, it kind of surprised me. We doubled the amount of sales yeah. year over year of condos on the beach from Miami, Fort Lauderdale, and Palm Beach combined of $20 million. I mean, before COVID, you sold two or three a year in the tri-county area. We're on our way to selling close to 30 to 34 this year, which is double last year in this high interest that's rate. A, that, again, that's a lot. What's interesting is statistically when we're doing this, and you said, look, right now, you know, we were, we were joking about how we keep getting information right. We're like how we, we're always accurate. Every time we do these reports, we we're on the money. Yeah. I just realized that, you know, given the fact that the news is running 60 to 90 days behind us, right. we're just what we report on now has already happened Yes, it's, exactly. but it's just happened now, but it's not getting reported on by the news for another nine months. So what we're seeing isn't actually getting out into the public domain for another 90 days. So what we're giving you really is fresh data. We're giving you fresh data. We're giving mm -hmm. you 90 days before what the market's really going to tell you that you're going to read in the newspapers. Yeah, this you, moment right now, you is and I are playing Monday morning quarterbacks in games that we both played. Yeah. Right, so we're both commenting on the game, our, the game that we both wrestled yeah. with yesterday. Yeah. We're in it real time and every single day. Yeah. You're on the front lines, I'm on the front lines. You're absolutely right. This podcast gives your viewers real fresh information yeah. as of as of the well, basically yesterday. Like yeah. yesterday, we're we're doing it right now, and even before we came on, we would you know I was running numbers and looking at stuff and seeing how it's changing. Obviously, your point about how these big sales have doubled, we're seeing a lot more big, big sales. You're absolutely right. And, and, and what we've seen right now is, and, and I've, I've got you know, some of this, this data that we're looking at, or as data, as I call it, from the UK. Um, <laughs> potato, <laughs> potato, potato. Potato, potato, tomato, tomato. Um, so it's interesting because I've seen, obviously, big sales continue out. And again, we can flash up some of the sales. Every few days, there's a big sale that comes out. I have noticed... A little bit, I've got to say a little bit, of some of the stuff that was, you know, let's say, I'm going to call it, it, it's not that the market corrects, it's just there is some product that gets overpriced. That's it. That's, that's no all question. it is. It's no a question. seller who's overambitious, and then they said, you know what, yeah, I am a seller, and I've seen a few sales in the last week, and again, as we sit here, you know, right at the beginning of November, I've seen a number of sales, stuff go from 18, 20 million to 18 million, or 25 million to 20, or if I've seen it from 
35 to 30. Mm -hmm. That is not a market going down. That is merely a reflection of some individual sellers deciding that they're going to get a little bit more real now and they've yeah. tested the water. Yes, exactly. That's it. And by the way, I've had some conversations with some high-end single-family home buyers that are also waiting for insurance costs kind of level out because flood insurance in South Florida, particularly from the water. Oh crap. Let's get onto that one. I mean, tripled, right? Since yeah. Hurricane Ian, yeah. which happened what, 18 months ago. And so I do hear, I've had a, a few, quite a few high end buyers that can afford anything. And when they hear what their flood insurance is, I'm so, I shouldn't be laughing because it's astronomical. They want to wait to see what may happen with yeah. that. I always caution them. If I were you, this is the only house on this particular street that fits your criteria. Seriously. I, it's your money. I understand, but I wouldn't wait for insurance costs to settle, because that may not happen for a year or two or three, yeah. if it happens at all. Yes. It's one of the things that's constrained new construction actually getting <laughs> that's built. It. That, that's the new construction conversation. Again, it, it is in line with insurance, because, look, when you've got a brand-new home, you're elevated, you're raised up. We had mm -hmm. this conversation in the, in the, in the last yeah. podcast that we did, but it's such an important thing to, stip, uh, to, to go over again, because it's such a big play in the reality of the decision-making, not just homes, but condos, condos of course, as well. well. It, condo fees have basically doubled in the last two years. I don't yeah. care where you are. If you're doing it properly, well, insurance costs have tripled. If you're, if, you have, if you're a brand new condo because of what happened with Champlain Towers, the state of Florida now requires all, all developers of new construction to include reserve for replacements. Yeah. We never had to do that before because of yeah. builder warranties. Yeah. You add reserve for replacements for all the mechanical systems, the roof, what have you, and then add to that the tripling of insurance costs, the net result is condo fees have basically doubled. Yeah. And that, that's something that is giving some people some sticker shock. Uh, there are some condos, pre-construction, that you're talking about condo fees of like, like the Mandarin Oriental. Uh, the condo fees are, the proposed condo fees are $10,000 a month for your typical unit. That's a lot of money in a condo fee. Really? Yeah. That's, well, they have 90,000 yeah. square feet of amenities. It's spectacular, but the units are 3,500 square feet at three bucks per foot. Per month, that's ten grand. Yeah, let's see how that comes out because they're launching in December. Yeah. What's interesting is that as we bounce through this, I'm thinking about the new condos that are being uh, launched and announced. Now, in the last conversation, yeah. we said, okay, so there is, I think, 5,400 new units, but now that's gone up. Now that now we're at like 6,000. You're just under 7,000. Just under yeah. 7,000. <laughs> of, um, of what I call traditional condos. Yeah. We also touched on those short-term rentals, condo hotels. and Yeah, Airbnb's, which we don't like. Which we don't like because they never, ever appreciate it. I know I said yeah. that. And I was so happy the way you responded to me. In fact, I think I showed it to Carolina Gertz, who's here with us today, along with some other people really actually you see there's somebody else out there that knows what i know about these things you know they've increased to eight thousand. we have so yeah. many of these short-term rentals that make zero sense to the buyer whatsoever the, not enough yeah. of the traditional you know the, the problem is human beings <laughs> by their nature okay and you know this and we see this all the time people get suckered in they get seduced in by you know, what they call short-term gains. It's like uh, the rosy picture, everything. Look, if everything <coughs> works out great and you're renting 365 days a year, and but that's not reality. And so these short-term rentals become, I mean, fundamentally, it's very short-sighted. Mm -hmm. it, it's, it's, you know, what you call penny rich and pound foolish. And we've, neither of us like them. And, and people keep seeing to be seduced because the numbers seem to be low. They keep introducing these projects at low affordable, quote unquote, affordable numbers to buy these units, thinking, sure. hey, I'm going to draw some income from this. It's, it, didn't, it hasn't worked out well for the housing market, the B&B housing market. That's taken a 20% pullback. Yes, it has. Well, they've, they've been, they became kind of a victim of their own success in a way. Yeah. Airbnb has so much inventory now yeah. that the only way they could, you know, 
generate any rental income for their the people that have signed up for Airbnb, that is the property owners, they had lower rates. So now the income went down. In yeah. Orlando, Florida, which is probably the Airbnb capital of the world, uh, the rental rates this year went down by about 25%. That's that's a big haircut. Because well, you were sold the expectation of making this, and instead it's become that. I, look, I just don't... If someone wants... I understand, you're right. It, the flight capital from South America, I understand. If you're from Colombia, Peru, Argentina, now Ecuador, you got to get your money out because the, the threat of devaluation is real. Brazil's starting to buzz around making the mm. same kind of noise. Yeah. And you contact a realtor, and the, and the realtor says, hey, I've got something. What's your budget? 500000 The only thing that they can sell them is one of these short-term rentals. But what they, I hope it's, I, I, my opinion, what, what the realtor fails to tell the buyer is, be prepared. This is something that hopefully you're going to use when you're in Miami. And if you get some income to maybe pay your condo fee, be happy. I don't think that's how they're being sold. I think they're being sold with huge uh, rates of return on annual income. And there's going to be a lot of disappointment in the streets of Miami yeah. when these buildings ultimately get built. The irony is, is that you don't have to take that unnecessary risk. The the, the, weird, oh no, the weird thing is, the reality is, is, and again, we look at it, and I'm going to get into the population growth. Sure. Let's go into that because we're yeah. bouncing all over the place. But yeah, I, I, exactly. there's a lot of stuff to cover and it's all kind and of... Enough with short-term and it's all, We it's, see it the same way and eventually it, so everybody else But it's build. interesting because people <laughs> will then say, okay, so I am a buyer. I am looking for a potential condo. Okay, sell it to me, guys. Tell me like what's going sure. on. What should I get into? We talked on about how the economy in Miami is very, very strong. The commercial market's doing and people are moving in. Yeah. And, and you touched on within your Q3, you talked about population growth and we, we looked at how Miami and you pulled up. Did you like that hundred I loved it. It was so cool. Thing. Yeah. It was really, you know, you know, I was trying to, I was just trying to bury the needle on that article that came out in the real deal that said we lost 83,000 people since the pandemic. I said, well, that's not totally true because we had 209,000 people. They left that out. But you know what? I'm getting a little tired of playing this, of constantly fighting in round 12. Yeah. Let me give you a 100 year look of what's happened to the population of the United States and how Florida fits into that. I knew that everyone's going to find it entertaining, but I also did it, David, to make a point. Would you stop with this year-to-year measuring of our population? There's nothing that's stopping yeah. the growth of Florida or the popularity yeah. of Florida. Nothing. So there's your hundred-year retro. Take a chill pill, relax, and when you when you when you when you hit your knees at night, just pray for interest rates to come down because yeah. that's the only thing that's holding us back. For sure, and and I actually dug into that. I went a little bit deeper, and I said, "All right, so let's look at, at what we've seen." And I you know, pulled some reports, and what I noticed was two big things. Obviously, that, that I kind of pulled up the young professionals. There was yes. an article that came out, and it was actually smartadvisormatch.com, and we'll add it into the bottom of the screen so you can read up on this. Don't take my word for it; just look at the the information that was put out there. Florida gained, and again, young professionals are the <laughs> They're the future. That's what's going to happen in five years because those young professional earners become higher, you know, middle-aged earners and they become the top-level earners after that. Just like you and me? Just like you and me. I mean, again, I was saying if I reflect back on what I was making when I was 26 yeah. or even 35 and now I'm 48, it's have, very different. Yes, you have a much different tax problem now, don't I have a, you? Yeah, I have a yeah. different tax problem. Um, although, yeah, okay. It's a nice so, problem. It's a nice problem to have. So, but... Interestingly enough, if you look, and, and those earners, what they classify as over $200,000 a year. So just to be clear, this article talks about over $200,000 a year. There was a, a, a net gain of 2,175 high earners, okay? Um, well, 
Florida, Miami mm -hmm. expanded on it. New York and California actually saw a drop. They actually saw a pullback. New York, less 5,062. California, less 4,495. Okay? And obviously, these guys are obviously paying taxes as well. But these young, rich professionals are choosing, and the number one city that they're choosing... Miami. Yeah. Always over, over and over and over again. And I'll tell you where these guys <laughs> move because I'm on the ground and we're on the ground doing this. So this is not academic. This is real world. We see it every day. Where are they moving? Brickle the urban core. Brickle sure. downtown Edgewater. That's where they want to be because that is where the action, the highest concentration of nightlife, of restaurants, of shops, of 100%. just that crowd, it's all there. So when you look and then you see the commercial offices coming up, the Class A, and you mm -hmm. see the condos going on, these guys obviously are... You know, they're setting the stage for what's going to come in the next five years. Yes, for sure. Listen, I had the privilege of selling Briggle City Center, the condos there for Swire. And what you just described is, in fact, Brickle. It's those young professionals. And, I mean, for me, they're getting younger all the time. But they're, what, they're, they, they're from 25 to, say, 40 years of age. Yep. You walk the streets of Brickle, and they just it's like Manhattan with nice weather. That's what Brickle yeah. is, and they love living there. They also work there now. And you're right, they've got all the restaurants. They've got all of the social infrastructure you need to have a yeah. wonderful life those folks that are coming with these companies that's where they're buying that's yeah. where they're paying rent and they've they've jacked the rents up a yeah. little bit because and that comes into the rental because here's the thing what does this mean for you as a potential buyer or a seller if you're watching this and you're in brickle or if you're thinking about buying in brickle what does this mean to you this population these 2175 people high and is coming in they're not all buying they're actually a lot of them are actually going to come in and acclimate to miami and they're going to rent because totally. brickle was it's still a rental market. I've always said that. They're going to rent for a while until they figure out which neighborhood they want yeah. to live in. They may drop anchor in Brickell, yeah. but they're going to give themselves a year or two to figure out where they think they want to live. And yeah. What happens if they meet someone? Like yeah. you met your wife. I was the same. You end the, up having children. Yeah. Brickell, it won't be your solution. Then you're going to be looking for the burbs. Try to get into the Grove. Try there to get go. to the roads exactly. and Shenandoah and those areas. And, and, and that's exactly what we're, we're seeing and we're going to continue to see as, as they come in. And so let's look at the rental rates right now. Q3. How are the rental rates doing? Well, as you know, I'm partners with Related and Related ISG, and I'm very close friends with a guy named David, uh, Matt Allen. Uh, Matt is executive vice president of the company, very close friend, and we were talking about rents. Uh, Related owns and manages 22,000 rental units in the state of Florida, and he said, trust me when I tell you, they plateaued. There's another 25,000 brand new rental units that are coming online in Florida in the next 12 months. So related is forecasting is a flat line of rents. Where they were in, say, Q2, Q3 is where they will be, the way he sees it for the next year, which is probably a good thing because they got a little high. Rents have almost doubled since COVID. Yeah, I remember know. doing an article um, for a major news outlet, and they had, there was a point there, we cited an example in a building called Echo, which is in Brickell. Yes. And I think it was like three years ago, the rents were 4,400, and then they went to 7,000, and the same unit after that became 9,000. It doubled. Yeah. And that is obviously very difficult because people didn't double their salaries. I mean, I know inflation That's the and problem. things. Yes, exactly. You're, they, you're getting into like an, in, in, an inverse formula here. Mm -hmm. But now they're starting to come down a little bit. You're seeing some incentives like one month's free with some of the multifamily developers. They're yeah. not lowering the rents that much as much as they're adding incentives. Yeah. But for me, it's kind of nice to see 
those kind of incentives coming back to the rental market because, yes, we've got all these millennials moving here with these big companies and they're making nice salaries, but ouch my arm, these rents are getting a little bit too heavy. At some yeah. point in time, I'm kind of, David, I'm kind of quoting Mayor Francis Suarez. He always says to me when I'm with him, we're, we're always talking real estate because he loves real estate. Yeah, and by the way, uh, Francis, if you get to watch this, please come on the show. Yes, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put a bug in his ear and ask him to <laughs> come you. and meet you. Because I think, by the way, that will be the most lively uh, conversation. I would love to have him on. Had. Honestly, I've said this, I would love to have him on. He, so. he, he always, you know, he's, he's a great conversationalist, but he always says to me that he's concerned that we're going to become a victim of our, of our own success, which means if we don't start building more housing that people can live in, uh, whether it's multifamily or condos or houses, people are going to be coming here and they're just going to keep bidding up the price of the real estate. Yeah. And eventually we become too, too expensive. Well, this is why, you know, when we get into that population growth that you mentioned and you look at that 100-year cycle, now we call it population replacement. This is a term actually I stole from Anna Bozovic. Anna, thank you for that comment. Anna, you know, Anna's good. She's That's great. Good. Yeah. She's, again, she's a regular on the show and we talk a mm. lot. And, it, and it's interesting because when we look at the actual population growth, it's population growth of a different demographic and a different income level. Mm -hmm. And that is going to continue. And not just that young professionals, we also then look at the, the high level, the, the, the next generation on. You know, the migration of wealth out of New York, the income levels, there was again a statistic, it came out through, through an article, which again we'll cite here um, at the bottom of the screen, where there was an average of $1.2 million income per year of 3,644 migrants from Manhattan who re-registered down here in South Florida. Okay. That's a lot of people. And you might not think it sounds like a lot of people in the grand scheme of things of a, of a city population of 6 million, but what you are talking about is those people coming in and they're looking for the high-level real estate. How many deals happen over 4 or $5 million every year? I can tell you that 3,644 moves a needle. 3,644 new transactions at that kind of level absolutely moves the needle. Totally does. And by the way, they're feeling it in New York too. There was a resale that was uh, publicized a couple weeks ago on, at a building called 432 Park. Beautiful building. Mm -hmm. It's only five years old. It was listed for $132 million and they sold it for $65. These 50% discounts on the super high-end stuff yeah. in New York is becoming more commonplace. Yeah. Because uh, I do, I, I, I read The Real Deal in New York every day, just like I read The Real Deal in Miami every day, because you have to kind of read this thing yeah. just to keep your finger on the pulse beat. But that's the 3,000 plus people who left New York, they're feeling that too. It's not the other way around. 3,000 people were moving into Manhattan, that 132 million would have gotten a lot closer to list than 50% yeah. off. And those, those deals that are happening, and I'm, I'm going to cite, I'm going to thank you for that, because that segues perfectly into some of the deals that we've seen in the last quarter and that we've actually seen also through this year of the values that we're seeing and the costs of real estate for some of these top-end sales. I mean, we have Sunset Islands. You know, there's, a, there's Eric Schmidt, who mm -hmm. is a, a, he's a, he's a latest billionaire to start amassing real estate collections in Miami. He just bought half a dozen properties on Sunset Islands for $140 million. Ken Griffin, obviously, we know his story. He's been buying up real estate like, like it's candy. Um, mm -hmm. Jeff Bezos. And again, I know these guys might seem like outliers, but there's a lot of other big, big sales that have been happening mm -hmm. throughout the single family market that are, you know, a $20 million sale doesn't seem surprising anymore. Um, I understand that sales slow down, but you don't have that much of that much product out there in South Florida. So if you're a, you know, a high end buyer, now it's a case of I'm buying this looking long term. And real estate as a buy-up right now kind of reflects on what you were saying in your, again, coming back to your 
uh, Q3 report, right. you cited Warren Buffett and the bullishness of buying up real estate. Can I tell you how I found that? It was, I was sitting in my home on a rainy Saturday because it wasn't very friendly for golf that day. So I'm on watching, I'm preparing my Q3. And I see this video advertised on YouTube about Warren Buffett forecasting a 2024 gloom and doom for all real estate. And I went, oh my God, Warren Buffett thinks it's going the other way. So I double clicked. You know, I'm starting to learn a lot of those ads in YouTube. They give those negative Yeah, it's headlines. the opposite of what they're actually going to say. Up. Exactly. I learned. The market's exploding. Actually, no, it's not. Yeah, no, it's no. <laughs> so I open it up. Next thing you know, he's taking these major buying uh, uh, positions in all these publicly traded single-family home developers. And then I kept listening, and I kept listening. And then, like you, I started doing it. It was a rainy Saturday. So once you're in that rabbit hole, David, you and I have similar date DNA. Once you're in it, you can't yeah. stop looking for more data. And what I basically found was... Oh my God, he's much more bullish about this than than I am, and I think I'm kind of optimistic. He absolutely believes that about this pent up demand for housing is yeah. being the biggest ever is being currently created. Well, he sees yeah. rates going down, and he sees the profitability of these home builder stocks being there for at least ten years. Well, you said you said you again. Your quote is uh, from this piece. He had a eight hundred million dollar buy up of real estate shares. Yes, exactly. And and it's interesting. And that was during Q two. Yeah. I mean, who knows what? And they said he, he took major buying positions late last year. He added to it with another eight hundred million. Yeah. And he's got more money than God. I understand, but that's almost a billion dollars in home builder stocks. He can invest in anything. And he that's where he goes. So after you did that piece, I took the blue pill too and went further down the rabbit hole. <laughs> and I was finding that there was stuff on like the hard assets outperforming S and P five hundred, and a lot of the the key advisors who are out there at Goldman and and. JP Morgan, all these other groups and these independent, you know, advisors who are deep in the markets are saying it's a move to hard asset. Mm -hmm. You know, commodities and all these other things, all these, you know, middle middle tier management businesses, their share prices suffering, their debt ratios are out of control. You know, they're having a really hard time of it. And so a lot of people are moving into that hard asset and real estate as hard as it gets. Yes. So, you know, that just is again a reflection. Warren Buffett's one guy, one company. Again, he's a big, big player. But there's a cascading effect of that. And again, based off a shortage of real estate supply across America. Well, think about what you just said a short while ago. You talked about Schmidt. You talked about Warren Buffett. Uh, not Warren Buffett. Um, Ken Griffin. Yeah. And, uh, and Jeff Bezos. Yeah. How many cities in the U.S. can talk about those three guys acquiring so much real estate in, the, in any city in the, in the United same, States yeah. like they're doing in Miami? I right mean, now? why they're not doing I mean, why are they doing it? Are they just doing it because they're super rich and they're bored? No, I don't think they're just no. doing it because they're super rich and bored. They've studied There's all a strategy the at play. They've, they've studied all the metrics. Yeah. And the only thing that's concerning them is our ability to build more. Yeah. Faster. And the only thing that's holding that back now is interest rates. And that is still the case. I mean, statistically, Q3, reflecting the fact that it is a Q3, you know, uh, podcast inventory for new product is still painfully low yes what expands on that which i'm going to kind of touch on right now and we were looking at okay so very high level real estate being bought up in the single family market but what about the condo market what about the new construction market well i dug into that too i okay. i kept taking it i took another blue pill and i looked Boy, into that i was up for i was up for a week and I, I called all the head developers and all the guys, and I know all the guys in all the different projects, and I said, what are the big sales that you've had? What are the huge deals that you've traded this year? And you know what I found? Which, I say it didn't surprise me, but it was, it was good information to know. Every single neighborhood 
that has a high-level pre-construction project has a record-breaking sale, mm -hmm. an absolute record-breaking, never seen it before, dollar per square foot or price point sale. And I'll rattle through them. So... No, actually, this is good stuff. I mean, it's, you've got better data than I have in this regard. It's just, so you know, it's, it's, it's fun when you start doing this because, <laughs> yeah, no. again, it just, you know, like I said, you pull the cord and next thing you know, you've got a jumper. Yep. <laughs> um, Paragon, Paragon's penthouse traded for $7,800 a square foot. Paragon, beautiful building, new construction on Miami Beach, 5333 Collins. That's a record price that's for a, Miami that's Beach. A, yes. That's not even just a record. I mean, that absolutely blows everything out yeah, the does. water. Yeah, yeah. Um, since four season Surfside seemed like a it seems like a deal. <laughs> and even then, that was last year. We thought that was a really, really high number, and and relatively it was. But then you've got St Regis Sunny Isles. They sold their penthouse for fifty five million, fifty five million dollars yeah. for yeah. Sunny Isles. Cipriani Brickle. They had a record sell at thirty five hundred dollars a square foot for Brickle. Vita, Vita. We, we're hearing that there's a negotiation right now for a, for a penthouse at thirty six million. The Shore Club had a record sell. I don't know if this is substantiated or not, but again, I, I was hearing $100 million being thrown around. These are not just big numbers. They're enormous numbers. Enormous. Enormous. But it, and by the way, you know, it's interesting what you said. They're all, every one of those is Miami. By the way, I've checked. They're all Miami. And different we, we, neighborhoods. We have higher trades on these condos, much higher than Palm Beach. And you would think it would be the other way around. It's not, yeah. David. I looked it up. Yeah. All, these, all these examples you gave are spot on. Because the biggest concentration of new companies and greatest concentration of wealth got it. is right here. See, that's the future. You're focused on it the way I am. I see the the, uh, the yellow brick road following these companies that are moving here because yeah. they all love Miami. They have all got money. And relative to New York values, to L.A. values, to San Francisco values, we're still a freaking bargain. Yeah. How about that? You know, I've always had frustrations of kind of, and I've said it before, and I'm just to say it again, I always had frustrations with reports that were purely academic. They were written by people who are not in Miami, living outside of Miami, not even selling real estate. And it used to drive me to distraction because you can't really know the market unless you are actually dealing with the people who are buying in the market. Yes. It's like I've said, that, that, that age old saying with poker, don't play the game, play the player. If you, if you <laughs> don't know who's buying, if you don't know the human behavior, that's what moves the needle. That will give you your six-month look ahead. It'll help you for, foresee what's coming down the line because if you can see a crowd of millionaires, billionaires coming through the door and you can see what they're building to move to, mm -hmm. both residentially and commercially, you've got a very clear sign of what's, you know, what's happening. And the new construction condo market and this is, again, my own hypothesis here of, of how this all plays out. The new condo construction market is based off a certain amount of percentages down on deposit, yeah? Yes. 10% you know, oh, yeah. reservation, 10% contract, groundbreaking, top off. Because of 2008, the banks changed their underwriting guidelines, yeah. and now they require most developers to require most buyers to put 40 to 50% yeah. down of the purchase price before closing, but it's always in states. Yeah. Yes. And and um, there's no assignment, so there's none of this like no, trip no, pay that can go that's, 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 yeah. that's yeah. out. Yeah. But that purchase is obviously done with cash. Yes. So the influence or the effective influence of the interest rate, and again, just following the bouncing ball, the effect of the interest rate is less of a play when they're making those purchases because two to three years from now, the forecast is interest rates are going to be very, very different. Yes, and we're going to need them to be because a lot of these buyers of this pre-construction stuff are Americans. Mm. In the old days, pre-COVID, they were mostly Latins. And they, they and investors they, too. And they don't like that. So they, mortgages didn't matter so much. Yeah. Mortgages are going to matter for you and I in two or three years when these buildings get finished. 
and these buyers are getting ready to close, they're going to want to take a mortgage out. Yeah. So we're going to, it, the timing may be beautiful for Miami because yeah. interest rates may be quite reasonable in two or three years, and it's going to make it a lot more affordable for these people to buy. Because I do know some buyers that bought in 2021, 2022, pre-construction. Yeah. They're phoning me now very nervous about interest rates as if the buildings were, were getting ready to be finished. So first yeah. of all, relax. It takes a long, a lot longer than you think to build these 60, 70, 80-story buildings. Aston Martin is an example. They just finished their sixth year of construction. They're now in yeah. year seven. And I think that's, they're due. I believe they're saying it's like spring 24 now. Yes. It was like November, December, but it's going to be spring. So it'll be a full three. six and a half years to build 70 stories. Yeah. So just do, we'll do like, We'll do like ninth grade algebra. If it takes that long to build 70 stories, if it took yeah. Tibor Hollow, it's five years to build 80 story panorama tower in Brickell. And he built it in 2012 through 2017. There were no supply chain issues. Interest rates are reasonable. Everything was normal. So just do some simple algebra. How long will it take to build that 80 story building, that 100 story building? Well, when you talk to buyers who bought that stuff, and these are the conversations that I'm having, I give them this kind of math. They're kind of disappointed about how long it's going to take to build the buildings, yeah. but they're happy because they know that interest rates will be in a much different place than they are today. Sorry, it's not a perfect phone call, but these are the realities yeah. of, of what. Well, there's only there's only a few company there's an, only a few condos that are coming out. I've actually got a, a client at the end of today to go and see who's like, look, I'd love to wait four or five years, but I can't. I, I need something within the next you know year to eighteen months. That's the typical American that's coming. There's out. very yeah. few. I've got. Literally, like what? There's like Five Park, and there's Aston Martin, and yes. there's the Mr. C and Coconut Grove. Right. I don't have a lot else. I mean, no, I, I can't think no, of any. No. Uh, am I missing any? You're not missing anything, David, because it takes too long to build these buildings. Yeah. And as we talked about last time, there've been a little. There've been too many fake groundbreakings, which kind of bothers me because yeah, that was. Because I'm getting those phone calls now from those buyers. Wait, wait a minute. They had a groundbreaking six months ago, and my wife and I were down there over the weekend. And nothing's happening. I know I'm speaking for the developer. I'm I'm, I'm managing related ISG. So I have to explain, well, that's kind of a marketing gimmick, but because they didn't really have a construction loan, but they're getting closer and closer, even though they're really not getting closer and closer yet. They will next year in 2024. But when you're not wrong about counting the amount of buildings that people can, brand new buildings that you could move into yeah. in, in 2024, it's a handful. It's, uh, that's, yeah, the, and that the, goes back to Suarez's uh, concern that we may become a victim the, of our own the, success. The victim of our own success is one of those things that, again, when you consult and you're looking, and we both deal with pre-construction buying clients, and again, we can reflect. The great thing is because we do so much of it, we can reflect on the backstory of all those people that we've dealt with in the past right. to look forward to see how we can help those in the future. Um, you know, Obviously, I, I'm seeing a lot of those guys come in and say, you know, I want to buy, um, I want to buy new, but I want to live in it. It's going to be for me. Mm -hmm. uh, are you seeing uh, it, the types of buyers that you've got coming in? What are they buying for? Are they are they investors? Are they end users? What's your, if your experience? If they're South Americans, they're mostly investors getting their money out of countries like Colombia, Peru, Argentina, and now Ecuador. Pure flight capital. There's a lot of buzz, buzzing in Brazil, but the REI is still very weak against the U.S. dollar. Yeah, still five, seven yeah, to one, exactly. I think. It's still kind of expensive. I'm hearing more Brazilians are buying in Orlando than Miami because of the price difference. Yeah. But long story short, Latins, it's for South America. I'll get to Mexico in a second. For South America, it's mostly flight capital. Investing in something, pre-construction is perfect because it'll take four or five, six years for these buildings to get finished. I'm not in a hurry. I just got to get, the, I'll get the down payment money out and I have all the time in the world to do that. The Americans are different. The Americans are looking for something that's under construction. So I tell them it's two or three years away. Yeah. You're one year, two year, three years away. They buy that or they go nuts over standing inventory. Since there's not much standing inventory particularly Very in the water, that's why you and I are seeing these prices continue yeah. to go up. Because these folks are coming with a lot of money, David, especially if they sold their principal home. Because if they sold their principal home, they get to 
they don't have a capital gain issue if they reinvest the gain in their new Florida home, yeah. which is their principal home. So that they've and their and the cash that they're coming with. Uh, my my, I was with my son over the weekend. He lives in Long Island. He's selling his three bedroom house to buy a four bedroom house because he and his wife want to have another child. And I'm looking around his neighborhood, and I said, you know, I haven't seen one for. He lives in a a, a town called Manhasset in Long Island. I haven't seen one for sale sign. I said, oh, Dad, this will this will sell in in less than two weeks. There's just no inventory up here. So it's funny what we're dealing with in South Florida is more is is much more intense than what they're dealing with up there. But this national housing shortage is real. Yeah, is real. And Warren Buffett is the one who brought me brought me to that. Yeah, I was. I, so in terms of percentages for, let's say your South American buyers to your North American buyers. Yeah. Oh, uh, and and your price. What kind of ratio would you give? I'm it? seeing more like seventy thirty U.S. Seventy thirty U.S. And the South Americans. Are you seeing any fractioning within the the South uh, conversations of South American economies? You know, getting a little frothy that they're like, oh, I think it's time we need to start looking, or not quite yet, because that's always been the original. You know, story. I meant to touch on Mexico. Mexico is making more money than they've ever made ever. We now have more imports coming into the United States from Mexico than we do China for the first time ever was this year. So Mexico is kind of an outlier, David. They're making so much money. Mexicans only like buying big spaces. They want big condos. They want big houses. And I'm not saying price is not an issue, but it's really not an issue. That is a wealthy country now. So when it comes to Mexico, I'm seeing robust buying Big, big-time interest, particularly in hard assets like real estate. Um, when it comes to the other countries, it's strictly flight capital because they're scared to death of their communist presence. Yeah. You, know, you got Petro in, uh, in Colombia. Well, now they have a runoff election going on in Argentina, but there's a lot of uncertainty in Argentina. You have a, a communist leftist that's getting reelected in Ecuador. You have Lula, who got reelected in Brazil. None of these are guys are left of left. So you've got panicky money, flight capital coming here. It's not so much that they're thinking about you. I'm not seeing a whole lot of users. I want to buy my second home on the intracoastal. I'm not getting that as much. I'm getting a lot of the frothiness is coming from the fright that their Colombian pesos are going to be like the like yeah. the Venezuelan oh, boulevards if they don't that's scary. move it. Yeah, that's that, but that's their mindset. Yeah, so, you know and that's why a lot of them go to these short term rentals because the price is low. But those of do do a little bit more research, you can find even resales. I see some of that money buying resale, say in Brickell Avenue, say reach a rise resale. And you buy it for seven fifty a foot. You rent yeah. it for four dollars. There's still some solid movement. I mean, we were looking at numbers on Brickell transactions over the last thirty days, and there's like it's still popping. It's humming. Absolutely, it is. You're you're yeah. spot on. And it's and who's and who's either renting or buying that stuff. A lot of these millennials that you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, the young professionals coming in like that crowd out of that three thousand plus people. Yeah, and they come crowd. every day, every day. So th- this is the, the final piece to this. Sure. I want to I want to go into the piece de resistance. The piece here de resistance. Go. Okay, here we go. So when interest rates drop, yes, the 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 systematic effect. Because I think it's good to deconstruct how that can play out. So you understand that. Look, we foresee that you know rates went up. Again, look, just follow any economic cycle. I mm-hmm. mean, got, like we said, it's not rocket science. No. We're not reinventing the wheel here. Economic cycles goes up, right. levels off. What happens after any economic cycle levels up, generally goes down? Right. So interest rates start to come down. Yes. Interest rates start to come down Q2, Q3 of next year. Mm-hmm. Okay, Looking at the effects both nationally and locally to affect our local economy, what do you think is going to happen? There are now 53 pre-construction condos. Forget the short-term rental stuff. Just traditional condos that are being marketed, pre-construction 
in Miami, Miami Beach, Fort Lauderdale. Yeah. There are 12 that are actually under construction. All, all of them but one. Aria Reserve is the only one over 30 stories. The rest of them are all under 30 stories. And that's why they're under construction, because there was enough concrete, glass, and steel to build them. Interest rates go down. Following David Sidden's hypothetical example, you're going to, that leaves about 40, 41 pre-construction condos that really need to have a groundbreaking. You'll see about 30 of them next year. 10 of them you'll never see get built. And the reason I say that is because if they were underwritten in late 2020, they didn't sell them for enough money because construction costs mm-hmm. are up and they're not going down. It's just a good night weight down by 5%, but they're not going down by 30 or 40%. Yeah, which is why you've got to choose the right building. And that's what we talk about yes, exactly. and we know. Um, so I think you're going to see 30 groundbreakings next year. I think if, assuming interest rates come down, you're going to, and you're going to see the average price of a, of a, of a, of a house. I know it's going to sound nuts go up anywhere from 15 to 20%. 15 to 20%. Yep. It, that's a big bump. That's a huge bump because I'm telling you, this pent-up demand is real and there's yeah. just too many people moving here. Condos I see going up about 10%, not as much. Listen, what I, I'll, I'll tell you a secret. On the David Sidden show, okay. when I did Q3, I, I linked all the condo inventory and the single-family home inventory together because the single-family home inventory in South Florida is scary low. And yeah. I didn't want to frighten people. I promise you I didn't. Yeah. So I linked them both together. And linking them both together, you're still at an all-time low still of residential inventory for sale, whether it's a condo or it's a house. But the reason I'm being so bullish on single-family homes, assuming rates go down by one or 200 basis points, which is not much. It's not much. No, They've gone, it's no. not much at all. Uh, yeah, you could see prices of houses go up by 20% next year. The demand is still yeah. coming. These 174 companies, I got that from Mayor Suarez's office. I, I think maybe when I was here a couple months or so ago, it was 163. Now it's up to 174. 62 or 63 are already here. The rest are huge companies that are. That's a lot of people. So that's a, con- a lot of people, Craig. Yeah, but it's it's only a third. I know of, that's the that's that's the that's of my what's point. Common. There's so many. Common sense says there's got to be more than 174. It's simple. It's a, literally math, isn't it? I mean, like it it's is. math. One plus one equals two. So on those rainy Saturdays when I'm taking my blue pill and I'm going down my 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 uh, data rabbit hole, I start putting all these macro facts together and go, oh my God, if the population continues to grow the way it's been growing, if these companies that are now 174 become 210, David, if you've got a house near the water or on the water, it's going to fly. Well, I've got another variable to add into this equation. And we talk obviously about people domestically and again, getting into this, okay, so rates come down. No, I can actually go out and I can buy something. It's a little easier for me. And maybe mm-hmm. some inventory frees up because people then want to move up. Yes. I call it, and I kind of coined this, I call it upscaling musical chairs. Because what's going to happen is that everyone moves up. Everyone moves up the next level. Everyone dances around the Mm -hmm. chairs and they get to move to a nicer chair. So they go from an office chair to an easy chair lounge and then they're going to go to like, I don't know, the Queen's uh, throne. Yes. But it's not just Miami. It's the guys in New York and California. I deal with a lot of people who are elsewhere, Boston and New York and and LA, and they're saying, I'm selling my house. Or they were going to sell their house, but interest rates again start to reflect and control them. Mm -hmm. But when rates drop... They're buying markets, and their markets are short of inventory too. They'll sell, and when they sell, that's their window to now move out because right. they've wanted to. But I've got a lot of people, and again, this is human behavior reflection. This is not not just statistics. It's a reflection that I have with calls dozens of times every single day, every, well, every, every week, every month, where they're saying, as soon as I can sell my property, as soon as rates come down, then I can afford to buy in Miami. I can afford to get out. So you're going to see more people moving, that more of that jumping ship. 
And as as you know, as the policies in New York and California are still not getting any better, no. and vacancy rates are still going up, and businesses are not being treated in a very friendly manner, and our lifestyle here is still second to none, then we're going to get more traffic flow again. And this is all pointing down the yellow brick road it, to the it, Emerald it City. And it does depend on rates coming down because we desperately need to build. Yeah. We need to build. We need to build a lot more condos. We touched on this last time. Miami is stuck between the, intro, between the Everglades and the Atlantic Ocean. Yeah. So the only way we can accommodate the kind of growth that we're experiencing is we've got to go vertical. We're very landlocked. I mean, even when very. you get into the neighborhoods, again, once you get and you get into the luxury sector, which we're dealing with, and I'm particularly dealing with all the time, is everything is that one side of, U, of 95, of US 1. It's all the coastal stuff. Right. Coconut Grove, I mean, it's, I, that oh, bit, yeah. It's, oh, yeah. it's just up the street. Yeah. US 1 on one side, water on the other. You drive through it in 10 minutes, teeny tiny. There's not a lot of room. A lot of appreciation in that little town in the last five years in Coconut. A ton, a ton. A lot. So from five years appreciation, how's it going to be in five years from now? Again, rates may be a little bit higher, but if they're stabling off right now, Marry the house, date the mortgage. Um, even I actually had a chat. Finally, uh, uh, JP Morgan was telling me last night um, at an event, hey, we will do loans now, which are variable, and obviously they'll go to your favor moving forward potentially, um, and most likely. Uh, but they were doing zero down for these high-level earners who have a lot of liquidity. And, of course, they'll give them 6% on a CD, and that means they're paying a point and a change on on their mortgage and again they're getting i think the big 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 guys that the wealth the the banks dealing with the very very high level earners they're getting very creative yeah they are and that's going to push that creative that creativity will push that luxury market further up i got pitched yesterday hard by citibank to get involved in mortgages with uh, related isg and i asked this guy I said are you offering all of these they've got a 95 percent ltv package with no pmi and they'll pay seventy eight hundred dollars towards closing costs I said, whoa, 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 whoa! Is this a national program? No, it's for South Florida. Okay, I got it. So they're taking they're they're, they're saying, treating us differently. Yeah, as they should. If you ran the bank, you would too. Well, you you'd this. look at the risk. Who's risky? Who's not risky? It, where are people moving to? And what kind of people are? Because these to guys South have Florida? calculators and they know how to add up. They sure do. A little faster as than perhaps everyone you and I. Yeah. watches this. Is look, I like to think that everyone who follows us is more analytical more thoughtful, more understanding, and does their research because they don't just sit there and read the national press and say, well, I'm just going to regurgitate what I saw in a national magazine, which <laughs> yeah, has well. been you know, generalized or sensationalized. But this is obviously backed with all the data. I always thank you for doing this with us. We will continue this it's dialogue pleasure, journey. David. As I told it's you, great. I use you as a reference. And likewise. I use Anna too. There's not that much, there aren't that many resources that I can use when I'm preparing my Miami report, and I take a lot of personal pride on it because I, I, I want to be right and I want to be a little dynamic and and because you know, we've got a, a bunch of agents that work for me and they rely on me to point them in the right direction. I get sometimes stymied by, oh, God, oh, God, what do I want to say about that? What do I want to say about that? And I, I, you know, I, I watch your podcasts. Um, I, you are definitely one of my, my references. So, yeah, I would love to come back anytime yeah, you like. Uh, you, I you will twist the arm of Mayor Francis Suarez. Please. Because I suspect you. that when you're Bye, here, I mean, you're going to have to cater it because you guys are going to be talking forever. The well, he lives down the street. <laughs> he literally lives down the street. He's actually one of the neighbors to 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 Millie, our, uh, uh, one of our marketing directors. I mean, like lives across the street. So anyway. he's he's one of the most genuine people I've ever met. He just happens to be the mayor of Miami. And as I said before we started, you know, his term ends as mayor in two years. Who takes his place? Yeah, I don't want to be that guy. 
Because yeah. uh, that's a tough act to really follow. Big, it's a very tough a act tough, to follow. Yeah. He's done. He's maybe been the best mayor the city of Miami's ever had, yeah. and that would include his father, uh, who I have a lot of respect for. But nobody put Miami on the map. Miami is getting it right on a national scale. And you look at the other cities and the other states, Miami is getting it right. And it's just a testament. And you can see that going on as much as people like to throw stones at glass houses. It's, it's, it's true yeah. that we're getting it right. And we're getting it not just right, but we're still getting it right. Three years on, we're still getting it right. We're still doing it. And they're still getting it wrong. And even through this funky time, because this has yeah. been a funky time. Yeah. COVID, COVID, I was watching a podcast by Barry Sternlich, um, not a podcast, some kind of, maybe it was a podcast, I don't know. And he was talking about the slowdown in real estate around the country. And he said something that was pretty interesting. This time it's not the developer's faults, because usually in the past we've overbuilt. This time it's a virus. And I thought, wow, you know what? I don't know why I didn't think of that myself. He's right. This whole slowdown is because interest rates yeah. went up. Interest rates went up because Jerome Powell decided to print $7 trillion and reduce the overnight Fed rate to 0% to keep us from slipping into a COVID recession. He's telegraphed back in 2020, this is going to cause inflation, which we'll deal with down the road, but I can only deal with one thing at a time. But Barry Sternlich, he summarized it beautifully. This whole conundrum we're in was caused by a virus. And Miami, I think, has navigated through it as well as any city in the world. Yeah. And at a granular level, once you're in Miami and you're trying to understand the different neighborhoods, and again, ISG-related, you get the report. Agents are reporting back to you every day. People are coming back to you and say, okay, because you're the boss. Like, I'm going to tell you what's going on here, 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 all over. And the same thing, I have 10 territory managers that are coming back to me and telling me, David, I'm on the ground in Brickell on Miami Beach. I'm, you know, the Grove, the Gables, uh, Sunny Isles. I guarantee those are the most fascinating conversations they you have. You know what? They're real. Yes. They're real conversations exactly the with way. real people, real yeah. experiences. Exactly. And they're on and the front lines, and they're coming back to you with dirt on their face. Like, you won't believe what I just went through. And yeah. what, multiply that times 20 or 30 conversations a week. There's nobody more informed about real estate than David Siddons. When you take the time to really take the time to spend time with these agents, you know everything that's going on. Yeah. Next week, you won't know anything because the ball will change. Yeah. It as it always does, it always which does. is why we have to do more podcasts. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But as always, Craig, thank you. Maybe. It is an absolute pleasure. No, for me too, man. For and as too. always, if you want to stay informed, if you want to l know more, learn more, work, there's a small group of us that are educating the market. Yep. Craig is a big, uh, big member of that group. And David's becoming bigger than me. So pay attention <laughs> to David Siddons, please, 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 please. So thank you for watching and please stay tuned for another episode of the Better Decisions podcast coming soon.